Hope it. Let's just do breaking news. No more bullshit. No more bullshit. No bullshit. August 7th, 2020, no bullshit news hour. Today we're going to talk about COVID, crime, and cash. We had to reconfigure it because we were going to have little Steven from the E Street Band, right? From the Sopranos, from XM, uh, Sirius XM, but I think maybe next week we're going to redo that. So today we're going to have Joe Kurt, managing editor of Bridge Magazine. That is the tightest news organization in Michigan. Really proud to have him on here. Going to talk about politics, COVID, the governor, vice presidential race, etc. And we have citizen government watchdog, former DPD officer John Bennett, who knows more about cops and crime in the city. These are the two big things going on in Michigan: COVID and crime. We'll talk a little bit about Gilbert's cash deal and Duggan, the serial killer house. The demolition bond, Detroit Red takes it to the streets. But first, let me remind you all, as always, no bullshit. News Hour is brought to you by American Coney Island, Detroit's oldest family-run restaurant and birthplace of the famous Detroit Coney Duck. Well, fuck this. Look, Whoa. times are tough. Times are tough with these restaurants. You can get the Coney kit. You don't have to go into the restaurant. Get a dozen dogs, all the fixings, chili, mustard, and medallia onions. Deliver to your door, all 50 states. Go to AmericanConeyIsland.com or do come around at the corner of Michigan Lafayette, downtown, the big, beautiful red, white, and blue building. As always, AmericanConeyIsland.com, my favorite. And maybe next week as well, we'll have Ali from Lafayette Coney Island. So we'll try, try to set this Coney War straight. <laughs> and also, <laughs> ADR Consultants. Remember, if you're a construction outfit doing business in Michigan, how do you navigate the bureaucracy? How do you keep to the rules, grow your company, and keep their fucking hands out of your pockets? How do you do that, Joel? How do you do that, sir? You call Barry Ellen Tuck at ADR <laughs> Consultants, Honest, Ethical, Smart, 248-318-9424 for a consultation. I have hired them. About some neighborhood problems I'm having with my government. ADR Consultants are experts in procurement, government compliance, information technology, and property management. Get the job done right on time on budget. ADR Consultants, 248-318-9424. Go with the ADR for your company, municipality, or law enforcement agency. We have other sponsors that we will welcome in the show later. Um, let's introduce Joel Kurth, discussions about the governor, the vice presidential race, Michigan, by going first to the now infamous interview Donald Trump and Axios reporter John Swan uh, talking about COVID in the United States and our reaction to it. Let's let's roll that tape. This is because we are so much better at testing than any other country in the world. We show more cases. I, the, the figure I look at is death and death is going up now. Okay, no, and it's no. a thousand a day. If you look at death. Yeah, it's going up look. again. Let's daily look. death. Take a look at some of these charts. I'd okay? love to. We're going to look. Let's look. And if you look at death, yeah, start to go up again. One. Well, right here, the United States is lowest in numerous categories. 
uh, we're lower than the world. Lower than we're the lower world? lower than what is that? Europe. <coughs> In what? Look. In what? Take a look. Right here. Here's case death. Oh, you're doing death as a proportion of cases. I'm talking about death as a proportion of population. That's where the U.S. is really bad. Well, well, Much worse than South Korea, Germany, etc. You can't. You can't do that. You have Why to go. Can't I do that? You have to go by. <laughs> you have to go by where. Look, here is the United States. You have to go by the cases. The cases. Why are not dead. as a proportion when of population? When you have somebody, what it says is when you have somebody that yeah. has it, where there's a case. Oh, okay. The people that live sure. from oh. those cases. It's surely a relevant statistic to say if the U.S. has X population and X percentage of death of that population no, versus South Korea. No, because you have to go by the cases. Well, look at South Korea, if, for example. 51 million population, uh, 300 well, deaths. It's like, it's you, crazy. You don't know that. I, I do. cut it. Okay. You think they're What are you making at, Karen? I don't know, Charlie. I, I just it's 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 disappointing to think that this is the leader of our free world. Uh, I, he continues to do what he always does. And I just it doesn't leave us any better off. It, what it is that? Is that the long crew again? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, it's the only time they can ever do it, apparently. Oh, I got to oh. tell you, after, after five months of no lawn service due to the shutdown, whenever they can come. I'm going to take it. They'll be through in a second. So I'm going to mute myself until they're done. But I can hear you. And if I need to respond, I will. Uh, <laughs> well, well, Mark, Mark, your thoughts on before we go to Joel? Oh, I, it was one of the most entertaining uh, interviews, I think, probably for the wrong reasons in, in Trump's case. Uh, his playing with the, the, the facts and the figures, although I will give him some credit in that he did sit down and get challenged. Which we don't always see, you know, our politicians sit down and get challenged by the media. You know why? Because he looked like a dumbass. And no offense. Look, anybody that's a Trump supporter, that's cool. But you know he looked like a dumbass and he doesn't have a handle on it. He wanted the reporter to go along with him and the reporter wouldn't do it. Because yep. Swan's too smart. So, Joe, my, my brother. My man. Um, have you... Have, have, you're Bridge Magazine. You're the managing editor of like Michigan's newspaper of the year, two years running. Have you gotten an interview for? <laughs> we just all up for, yeah. Four. Four, four years run. Very well done. Go to bridgemagazine.com. I mean, they're there. They're on it. So a little bridge, verbose. little bridge, verbose. A little, I, a little bit. Well, you, went, you, know, you can stop reading anytime. No, <laughs> I, I even pay you. It's bridgemi.com. Well, I mean the articles. You don't have to read down to the bottom. Um, you know, I was a shit show with Trump. No question. Now, let me put it to you this way. I, everybody that listens to this show knows governor's dodging me. They like I, We know what we're talking about. Doesn't want to answer it. She doesn't want to submit like Swan did. Have you, your organization, gotten that sit down that one-on-one -on -one with the governor? Uh, not not in a while. It's been, uh, you know, she likes, uh, you know, somehow she found the time to uh, talk to the New York Times over every day for two months mm. um, for their New York Times Magazine article. Uh, we've tried to get her. Uh, you get 15 minutes here, 10 minutes here. I mean, you know, her, her press conference this week, for instance, um, you know, she has a she had a Zoom uh, Zoom press conference and all the questions were submitted in advance which, you know, the whole Lansing press corps was, was howling over because it basically gave her 
um, the chance to review questions before they're asked and hand pick the ones she wanted. So I do think that accessibility is, uh, is an issue with, with her. You know, yes. And I talked to Paul League and hey, Paul, I know you're listening, brother. That's a heavyweight too, right? He's up in Lansing for the free press. I said, have you talked to Whitmer? And he says, fuck no. So Bridge, Egan, Leduff, we know what we're talking about. Why not? Because here's what I said. I got a call from Axios yesterday because that's what happens when anything turns to Michigan. The National Press Corps calls me. They know me, right? And, we, and they're going to do the story on Whitmer. And what I quickly realize is the only thing they know is what they read on Google, which is all these blowjobs. And you know they're blowjobs, bro. So, for instance, Bridge Magazine, when I was doing like, hey, people are dying. I started doing a story on the wards of the state dying. We're not tracking them. I started Googling. You guys were asking for data. Where's the data? And it took you and me to even get them to, to acknowledge that we had a problem in the nursing homes. Do yeah, the, you think, go ahead. No, you go ahead. The data, the data is a mess. I mean, in Boom. fairness, the data is a mess everywhere. I mean, and, but it's particularly bad in, in Michigan and the nursing home policy I think has been, has been problematic, you know, from, from jump street in Michigan. I will say though, that like, you know, as as this virus spreads west, it's Michigan's not looking as much of an outlier as it was a month and a half ago. It's in the top 10 for deaths. It's in the top 10 for population. And I think what we're starting to see with COVID is that it kills a bunch of dead people. And where are the dead people? It's like Willie Sutton in the banks. You know, you rob the banks because that's where the money is. COVID's killing people in nursing homes because that's where the old people are. Right. Right. So I'm looking at it like this, though, Illinois or New York, Pennsylvania, we're getting a, we're getting a total of not just nursing homes. And for everybody listening, that's basically they're getting Medicaid and Medicare. There's, there's a federal mandate there and, and, and licensure. But we have about 5000 facilities where old people live and we're not tracking them at all. Other states are doing it. There's still no dead. I mean, they've been talking for, for weeks about release. I mean, the nursing homes, I think there's, what, 500, something like that? About that. Yeah, there's not a lot of, quote, unquote, nursing homes. Most of the old people live in long-term care facilities. Yes. So, know that, and there's no data whatsoever in Michigan on the, on the deaths of, in, uh, in long-term care facilities, which is a big problem because now we have, Michigan's got like 6,500 deaths or something like that. About a third are in nursing homes, but we have no idea how many are in long-term care facilities. And that's, you know, the suspicion is that's really where the uh, the action is, right? Well, there, there's no doubt. And then if you read these executive orders, they included, the original order included these facilities. So when, when I'm sitting with the governor, I'm going to ask her just what Swan asked her. Like, um, Trump said, you got to go by deaths per case, right? And, and Swan didn't want to do it. But let's do that, Governor, because Michigan is number one in the country still, even with the spread out West, deaths per cases. Why? Number two, Michigan is number six in deaths per capita, which is what Swan wanted, right? That's exactly what she needs to answer. Now, if you do this, here, I did, look at this, Joel. Here's my mad scribblings. Hey, hey, see these? 
Yeah, I follow them totally. <laughs> yeah, I went like this. The top five states for deaths. Um, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Rhode Island, and Massachusetts, right? I put all those together on the eastern seaboard. They all touch each other. It's like 40 million people in a size about as big as Michigan. So they had about four times, what was it again here? Let me look here. Four times the population, right? Isn't two times? They have four, four, about the same size, four times the population, but two and a half times more deaths. You understand what I'm saying? They all border each other and it's a cluster. Mm -hmm. Michigan's got one border. So what are we, we're at like 65 per 100,000 right now, right? Yes. Which is an outlier. I mean, Florida, you're hearing a lot about Florida, it's 36 per 100,000. Texas, 26. California, 25. Mm -hmm. And you're right. Most of the cluster is on the eastern seaboard. I think that the governor is going to say in her defense is that check back to me in at the end of September. Well, again, that's great. But here's the public policy portion of it. A bipartisan bill. Yeah. Goes through both uh, houses of the legislature in Michigan saying absolutely separate healthy old people from sick old people in the buildings. Forget your wards and everything. And she vetoes it. And the reason she vetoed it is why, brother? You know, she claimed she has she claimed her reasons publicly. She said it was bad public policy. I think, you know, a lot of people in Lansing could say that she she did not. She, it was it was obstinance. I think she's already backtracked on her nursing home uh, policy. She had one policy in the beginning of the crisis that uh, set up these regional hubs that she backtracked on. And it was kind of a bit of a disaster. Now she's saying that nursing homes have to accept patients when they return. But she's saying that there's never been any evidence that they've actually been forced to. But, you know, I think it's political, right? She doesn't yeah. want to look like she's, she's uh, retreating. And she wants to make it look like that. It's, this is all Pete Lacido, the sponsor of the bill, the guy who's been accused of sexual harassment. He's a big Republican. And it's sort of he's become the champion of this. And I think that it's, it's a very predictable um, partisan fight in Lansing, which we're seeing all too many, all too much. Disgusts me. I think it's more obstinance than political because she didn't. You know, there were seventeen Democrats that were for it. She didn't even bother negotiating. And the other thing she said is that um, she said that there was this false premise that those isolation units, which Charlie has talked about a ton, and we've talked to people that have worked in nursing homes. She said there's this premise that they don't work, but we know they don't work. Talk to anybody in there. And they're fearful of it. So it's just she doesn't want to be wrong when she could have worked with the legislature to maybe craft a better bill if she felt the bill was bad. Well, let's, let's look at this, too. Her whole thing has been about auditioning uh, for sure. this uh, vice presidential seat, uh, a nomination, rather. And she has seen that she can say or do something that has very little substance, very little impact, and it generates public interest and public support. So there's no need for her to delve down to actually negotiate with any of the Democrats or come up with something that actually makes sense. She can say something. She's delivering uh, rather than policy. It's in sound bites. And that has carried her to this point. So maybe she's feeling why do anything any differently now? 
I think in her first term, she felt like she tried to nego- do, do some negotiations with Republicans on various issues, roads that didn't work. What we're seeing this year is um, her, her basically just sticking to her guns and, and um, you know, the Republicans say it's governing by fiat, but there's not a lot of uh, obviously cooperation. And I th- Karen, I think you're right. I think that it's, e- it sounds easier. It looks easier if it's, if it's just one policy and you stick with it. Cause frankly, there's not a lot of people out there who are really giving a whole shit about boom home policy. And boom. no one's really looking at it. It's and a I- goddamn parlor game, Joel. It's like, look, you got a nice look at Trump, right? And it, it's all about anything but this guy. Okay, fine. But I still belong to old people, as do you, as do other people. It's She's done some really good things. I believe that. I really do. She's done some strong, tough things. But you haven't done enough on this issue. So just get off of it and do what's right. You know it, and I know it, and Paul knows it. And national media going to come in, and nobody knows it. No, Fix I, the shit. On balance, I think that she's doing – She's doing. She, her performance with COVID – as the crisis continues, is looking a little bit better. It looked pretty wobbly in the beginning. It looked like basically she just asked. She was looking south and whatever Divine did, she would do the next day. Yeah. Um, but I do think that she's not, you know, she's she's stubborn. And I also think that she's not, she doesn't always explain what the hell her, her reasoning is for a lot of this stuff. And... Um, why would, frankly, why would she? If you have the New York Times writing uh, <laughs> ten thousand word uh, hagiography, then why would you? I mean, you, why, why would you? Because talk? we fucking live here. It's like when John Bennett comes on, the chief of police got the same treatment. Now look what's happening. The mayor got the same treatment. Now look what's happening. Quicken Loan got the same treatment, and the company's worth half of what they were saying it was. Because Bridge Magazine matters. Because whatever you think of the press, ain't nobody else getting paid or taking the time to make sense of it, except for John Bennett. I don't know why he's doing it, because he gives a shit. <laughs> well, the New York Times. This is, but this is, you know, this is a diatribe. But I do think that this is, you know, gets, gets with a bigger issue about uh, people's media consumptions anymore, is that there's not, you know, there's there used to be, the governors would have to answer to the Saginaw News and the Lansing State Journals, and now they can just go straight over that to the national media, who isn't paying as much attention because they know that the readers aren't really following it as closely as they used to. Joel, I got well, I got a question. Um, she after the whole deal with her husband uh, trying to get the boat out early under the order, she kind of stopped doing national interviews. And I was talking to Charlie about this. Seems like the last week, week and a half. She's popped up doing more and more of those. And then I saw an article yesterday that she's back in the vice presidential candidate uh, fold. Do you think she has a legitimate chance to be um, the vice presidential candidate? Uh, No. Why? Right. That's what I said, Mark. God damn it. You had to echo it. Uh, Well, I think it's going to be an African-American woman for very good reasons. I think that uh, Trump is going to have a really hard time winning Michigan. So I don't think that uh, there's a lot of, uh, I I think it's a red herring. 
I don't think that there's a, it, she would carry a lot of weight. She's, I mean, I'll say one, one thing. She's a hell of a campaigner, though. And she is, you know, she's very personable. She's very relatable. She's got a whole soccer mom. Let's go sit out and have a beer thing, which is fantastic. Um, you do want to have a beer with her because she's very charismatic. But I just don't think that she would, um, if it was her against Kamala Harris, I don't see, uh, it's not a question. Here's what I know about the media. It is 90% liberal. I mean, even studies will show you 90% of them vote Democratic. Um, there is a, a very deep dislike for Trump amongst the, the media and amongst a lot of people, quite frankly. Um, so right now it's, it's a cakewalk. But once you get in that crucible, once they start taking a look at you, oh, man, no, that soccer mom shit is not going to hold. Like, you see what they did to Kamala Harris during the debates, right? She's going to get her gas tax whooping. She's going to get her lack of um, experience whooping. She's going to get her husband whooping. She's going to get the COVID whooping. And my, my talk with people in Washington, Axios, New York Times, da 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 is Trump doesn't get along with Harris, but this COVID thing really puts Whitmer over here in a box because they don't want anybody with COVID stink on them because that's what they're tagging Trump with. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know. What do you think? I, I don't think that the, uh, I, that there's a disconnect. I don't think that the, the general public gives as much of a shit about that stuff as the media. So I think obviously we've seen this with, with Trump that his, they can, you can write all you want, but his, 43% number does not budge. So I think even though you, you, you may have substantive looks in the national press about Whitmer, I'm not sure it would budge the public perception of her. No, but then you got to look at if they get the seat and Biden fucking keels over, what do we got right. there? Right. Right. But I think at the end of the day, it's that, I mean, I, didn't I read that Trump was reconsidering ads in, in Michigan or I had even pulled them already. I mean, it's, it's, I think he's looking elsewhere in the electoral man. I think so too. But you, you know, remembering the Hillary debacle, the Democrats aren't dumb this time. They're going to keep the pot boiling here, keep her in the news and you make sure they've got Michigan buttoned down. You lose Michigan. That's, you got a problem. Yes, sir. All right. Okay. So here about commingling people, let, let me give you an executive order. You guys remember the Wayne County jail? Another big, bad COVID cluster. Oh, yeah. 200 deputies sick. The two main doctors die. The commander of the uh, maximum security dies. One of the corporals dies. Remember that sheriff's deputies also are bailiffs at the courthouse. So this is from uh, three weeks ago from Timothy Kenny, the chief judge of the Third Judicial Circuit. Executive order. It is ordered. During the COVID-19 pandemic, the Wayne County Sheriff's deputies assigned to the Third Circuit Court and the Wayne County Probate Court shall not work overtime, weekends, temporary reassignments, or other assignments at the Wayne County Jail. Meaning the chief judge does not want commingling of staff in a COVID cluster and the courthouse. So if it good enough for the courts and the judge why isn't it good enough for my grandmother i don't know man hmm. okay that's it that's it's what you not. got <laughs> I, don't, I mean well, they're supposed to be in separate wards right in the nursing homes yeah but the, 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 we all now know that it's getting spread by the staff 
and they don't have separate staff, even though the government. I think what we're seeing nationally, though, is that what's happening is that it's just where wherever there's COVID, it's going to get into these nursing homes. So separate them like they did in Florida and Texas because they have less people dying in them. I'm not going to say it stops it. Florida and, and Texas are creeping up, though, too, aren't they? Of course they are. They're huge. So many- we're, but we're creeping up again. We right. got 500 more deaths in the last couple of weeks. Where are they coming from? Give me the data. Answer Bridge Magazine's FOIAs. What are you, what are you working on? Uh, we're working on uh, shit, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> when was right. when was the last time? I'm you, Friday, <laughs> Joel. When was the last time uh, that Bridge asked for a one-on-one with the governor? Is, is that? I'd uh, have, no, I'd be honest. I mean, I'd have to check in with, with my staff. Jonathan Osting and Riley Bagan are the uh, capital reporters there, and um, I know that. Um, I, I can't tell you specifically. I know that it's been hard. We've had we've had opportunities, but it's you know it's like ten minutes here, ten minutes there, and it's not. There's nothing with any sort of regularity. Before she switched to her Zoom answer uh, questions before they start process, which is ridiculous and not going to win her any favors. Was Bridget? I think they are changing. I'll say in her credit. Oh, they backtracked on that. There was a lot of a hubbub, and they are going to look at other at other ways to do it. I don't know that this. I don't think there's been a, a press conference since then, but um, they said that they're going to make some changes. Well, and it's that, a joke. She I probably mean, won't look, do any press conferences. That's, it's a joke. Like it was a stupid move because the the media is such lapdogs. Nobody was, you know, you can't do much at a press conference. You know what I mean? No, it's those hard one on ones that even Snyder did with me during Flint. <laughs> Well, yeah. And, you know, I will say that I think uh, there. Yeah. So there were some questions that she did not answer at that press conference that people were, again, kind of speaking to some of these inconsistencies that drive Republicans and other people who are paying attention is really freaking batty. Uh, why she allowed the, um, the casinos to open. Mm-hmm. Boom. Yeah. Which is clearly I mean, she's not going to say it, but come it's on. Obvious. Detroit, Detroit needs the money. Yep. That's why she's allowing so, yeah, that's it, dude. And that's a nice segue because that was next on my list here to ask you. But it's so crass because so many of us have lost careers and businesses and probably properties coming next to protect old people. And we know who goes to the casinos. <laughs> right. Who addicted old people. So I got a call from a couple of people that work in there. Okay. Here's the deal. Saturday at the Motor City Casino this past Saturday, they all had to get tested. Okay. You get your COVID test. They they go to MGM or Mac Avenue and they get their test. Monday, there's a required on-campus meeting amongst the staff inside Motor City. Except they didn't get the results back. Oh boy. And then Tuesday, it turns out a guy's not allowed back in because he's got COVID. Now, does everybody got to be quarantined for 14 days? (laughs) Now I'm getting hysterical calls from the floor. There's no plexiglass. They're not wiping down the um, slot machines. People are doing it. Where's my mask? They got the mask down here and they're walking around smoking. And I'm like, that's my mother in that fucking boy. What are you doing? So I want you to send a reporter there just to get a – Here's what it bridge I, I would recommend. I would not set foot in that. I, you'd have to put me in a in a uh, one of those HVAC suits, man. What What's, are those called? 
the ghillie suit or whatever. That's why he said yeah, send the- a reporter. <laughs> Look, I got a guy. I got but a guy to the do money, right? Isn't it, Karen? What's the what? Casinos are their what revenue source for Detroit? Third biggest? Second? Yeah, it's a second. Yeah, yeah. it's lo- it's 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 huge. Twenty uh, percent. But what I mean, the thing about it is, is that we should have had some some type of consistent federal protocol for this uh, from the start. Everybody and even this at the state level, they're leaving it up to everybody else to interpret and apply what is being advised. We talk about masks. We talk about I mean, everything is so haphazard. I anticipate another shutdown. I, I, I think er, more people are going to get sick as we enter into the flu season. And until we have some type of consistent protocol and requirement, we're not going to get a handle on it. We're not. I, I, we're just, we're not. You know, I do think, and that's, you know, as much as we give Whitmer a hard time, I, I think do think, you know, you're right. And I think that uh, everyone's making this up as they go along. And there's, yeah. no, there's no national standard and people are trying to turn no. around battleships on the fly or whatever the cliche is. Well, we're in the uh, middle. We're in the middle of the scientific process right now. I mean, data keeps keeps changing. I, I, I just wonder what would happen to her political if she said, hey, the reason the casinos are open is because the city needs the revenue. Then just say that. I mean, people aren't stupid. You know, people but, but, know that they're putting profit over people everywhere. So you close the restaurants and the bars, but you open the casinos. People were lined up out there at five o'clock in the morning to get in the casinos. But when you even talk about the uh, about how to wear a mask, you got people wearing gloves and they're cross contaminating. I mean, we're just we're just we're in a cesspool and we're just. Yeah, but you're stuck. You're stuck because everybody knows that's why it is. Yeah. Right. But then to say it is to create another Owasso and like people storming the Capitol again. So it's, I think yeah. it's just better to do it and then just not Ignore it. say anything. <laughs> well, everybody already knows it defeats yeah. her. It defeats her uh, science over um, politics science. thing that she kept pushing, pushing, pushing early. I mean, I, there's there, you gotta add, be an actuary with all the things as to what, it, what's an acceptable Look, way here's of living. A, here's with, my only bitch. And again, these are like Joel says, they're incredibly difficult jobs from the yeah. governors to the president to County executives, please. I know we know, but the casinos have been closed since April. You could have got in there, the department of health and human services, whatever, and started making sure this stuff got built protocols right being sure Mm -hmm. having inspectors there it's so fucking lazy the bureaucracy is lazy Mm. there's no reason it has to be like this it's ad hoc that's the problem well we got a committee to examine racism as a health hazard (laughs) well you want to take that one bro i'll do it hold on (laughs) racism and the medical care system let me think your father, Madam Governor, was the head of um, Blue Cross Blue Shield. Your patron is now the head of Blue Cross Blue Shield. I got it. You're a Democrat. Why don't we go to single payer and blow up the insurance companies? Why didn't you say that? There, there's your task force. We're going to single payer. <laughs> nope. Charlie, we've said this. I've said this before. These issues are not new. And I'm tired of people that are in positions that can and should be charging for change, acting like they're brand new. I mean, this is almost insulting, in my opinion. Do you find it pandering? 
yeah, pandering, placating, whatever you want to call it, it's it's disingenuous. And, and let me say this. I like Gretchen. I met with her before she ran. I had great expectations. But, you know, we ran on fixing the roads. You know, I'm replacing stuff on cars left and right. I mean, nothing is happening. And, Joel, you talked about, you know, people going to the media. you got to remember now, too, with social media, everybody's an expert. Right. Yeah. something and they run with it and never take the time to do their homework or, you know, kind of kind of refresh their memory. We, we run with whatever's in front of us and to, to, to the disadvantage of all of us. For sure. <laughs> that was <laughs> profound. <laughs> fucking great at this, Joel. Wow, you're fucking great. You know. Wow. Okay, listen. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. No, you, you need a reporter to hit the streets. We got Detroit Red, and we'll send him to the casino. He'll go. You want to <laughs> share that story? We'll get him a scuba suit, and we'll send him in there. That sounds terrific. <laughs> All right. The listen. thing is, to your point, Karen, I mean, is nothing's being done. Nothing's being done anywhere politically. No, it's not. I mean... The reason she ran on fixing the roads was that was like the that's the low hanging fruit. That's supposed to be the one thing that people could kind of come along to. And then maybe, you you, you know, you build you take one success and then you build another success. But I mean, we're at and I, we're at the point politically we cannot do a damn thing. Well, we, we're not a surprise that when we have something really complicated like COVID, it's all getting fucked up. Right. Yeah, but everyone forgot about the roads getting fixed. So. Because I have it. Our <laughs> roads are horrible. Whether they're county, city, state, they are what Joel just said, effed up. They are. And people, they, they tailgate you, so you're trying to avoid a – it's a mess. And don't it's forget, we during the Snyder years and Granholm, we had massive corporate tax cuts. Yeah. So when she right. promised to fix the roads – you didn't even go to the corporations to raise some money. You went to some, we're broke in Michigan and you wanted to jack gas up 50 cents a gallon. And thank God you didn't because who the fuck can afford it now? Cause the 600 a week ran out. <laughs> well, that's the problem. That's the problem with COVID too. Is that, I mean, for everything that we say, I mean, this is not a gross state. It's, it's terrible to admit, but Michigan is a state that's in slow decline our people are old. We don't have as much money anymore. Our population is flat. And it's, it's we, we're getting more people taken from the system by being old than we are people paying in new taxes. And it's not going to look real great in the next 25, 30 years. Well, that's, that's wonderful. I, Joel, I'll just, I want to ask, what is your take? Uh, you know, I mean, you, you were... Uh, uh, keeping an eye on city government uh, there for a while. What's your take on this administration and how things are panning out, the investment or lack thereof that you see in the city? What's happening? What's your take on that? Um, you know, I think that Duggan started out uh, like he always does, like pretty strong. And, you know, there's a lot of question as to whether or not it was steak or sizzle. But I don't think there's been a lot going on the last uh second term has been um, uneventful. Oh, you, he asked to be judged on uh, the increase in population. Right. We're continuing gonna to lose, decline. We're going to lose population. And I also think that, I mean, I've been, I've been surprised that the, the, you know, even, even the great singular accomplishment of, of, of rejuvenating downtown really, I mean, if that's, if that is just only being judged on that, uh, you, you venture like about, 
a half block away from Gilbertville still, and it gets pretty uh, pretty dicey. Like, and it, it just doesn't seem like all that stuff has changed significantly, even from when when Bing was around or Kwame, or, or it hasn't changed a lot in thirty five years. I mean, there's one real pocket there, but. Um, again, it's another city where it's tough. I mean, nobody wants to say, hey, let's manage to climb. Your boss did. Maybe not as eloquently as he should have. I would have advised against him calling the city a hellhole. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, the, and those, but those conversations are the kind of conversations I think Detroit probably needs to have. And it might be, it might be a little bit late, man, because there's no more blood in that turnip, right? If you well, really to sell you, rejuvenation, then you manage to climb. If you take so, a look around Gilbertville, look at all the undone things with all the public money, the skyscraper, the future city, the uh, book tower. All, so at this point, look, I'm going to do this, Joe, because we got John Bennett. We're going to talk about what's going on in the city and crime and all that. And uh, that was awesome, dude. Uh what it bridgemi.com? Yes, sir. If you're not reading it, you really should. That, that you know, I don't know anybody covering a minimum Lansing better than this organization. So hey. thanks for doing it, bro. It was a lot of fun. Okay, we'll talk. Thanks, Joe. Okay. See ya. Right. Good to see you guys. So you see, that's not just the no bullshit news hour. That is a probably the most legitimate news organization. Yeah. Seeing things the same way. We just try to Put a little flair to it because right it's kind of it's kind of boring to sit on your toilet and read a read an article that's 30 30, words long i I read the comments that people make and we get a lot of emails and that kind of thing you know and every some people make reference like this is entertainment charlie puts in a lot of work to make sure that the homework is done the research is done and that the listeners and viewers and readers have factual well-researched accurate information to walk away with this isn't yeah we, we we do some stuff to try to make it palatable i get that um you know we laugh sometimes to keep from crying but this isn't entertainment this isn't tmz this isn't to you know amuse or to distract anybody from the realities that we all face every day cool you know i agree with that but i also then agree y'all listen out I, I i don't have the thing going by me but no it's it's also got to be interesting like there's the two rules in my my journalism class it's this number one get it right that's rule number one it's unassailable it can't be replaced by rule number two but rule number two is don't be boring because i can sit in my outhouse it's a very nice outhouse i can sit in my outhouse and (laughs) and go off and do this show to nobody it does no good if nobody hears and remember you you out there I respect you, Mark, Karen, Mannequin, Joe. We respect our guests. We don't have to think alike. Yeah. You might even disagree, but put part of this into your equation. That's all which, it's about. It's which, a community talking, and, and we don't hate. In regards to Whitmer, that's the problem. They're, look, overall, I think she's done an okay job considering, but she's got a major, major flaw, and it's the, the long term care facilities that is a major problem and she won't admit it she's stubborn 
And that's well, I don't, like, I don't like seeing her follow almost kind of like the Mike Duggan thing. Like, bring in the people that would otherwise criticize you. Let me give you a contract. Let me put you on a yeah. committee. Let me give you a job. Don't do that. I understand that that's politics, but we're at such a crucial point. Like Joel said, nothing has been done in so long, and we are looking at the impact and the results of that. We're just not in a position for that. To, to, that, that playbook doesn't work anymore. That's why I do not belong to a political party, because this is how they operate. It's about yeah. dividing up our tax money and not getting the shit done. Amen. Now, let me say this. We talked about the Motor City Casino a little bit and what, what I'm being told by the union and people that work there. That's owned by Chris Illich. His, or Chris Illich's mom, technically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Marion. Still don't know how that worked, but okay. It's crazy. But Chris Illich owns the Detroit Tigers, and guess who sang the national anthem via Ooh. Zoom on opening day. <gasps> Who? Jose Feliciano. <laughs> this is the most ripped off newscast <laughs> in the goddamn universe. Jose Feliciano. They haven't thought about him for how long? Right. Yeah. Right. Okay, number two. This will get us into this. I want to tell you about uh, Luke Nowacki. I want to put it to you in this way. Rocket. Right. Quicken Loans, Gilbert basically had an initial public offering. So they wanted to sell 150 million shares of a private company for twenty two dollars. The institutional investors, that's who gets the shot at it first, like the Teamsters, the teachers union, the pension funds. They weren't going to pay twenty two dollars. They said, we'll pay 18. And instead of 150 million, there's no demand for that. There's 100 million. So when you do all the math. We heard Gilbert from Cranes that he was going to raise $4.2 million. From the filings, they wanted to raise $3.2 million. He raised $1.8 billion, not million, $1.8 billion. What this means to you is nothing except if you're thinking about buying property in Detroit. Well, he doesn't have all this money that the magazine said he's going to drop into the city. So my advice as your brother is sit and wait to see what property values do. Don't believe lapdog media. If you want to invest in the stock, if you need some advice in the stock, which I don't give, that's Luke Nowacki. Call Luke Nowacki if you want a prospectus, if you want an idea of what's going on in Michigan or what the, the financial sector's down, okay? So don't overreact, get some real advice, you're paying somebody to give you real advice. It's not, it's not lapdog media. Luke Nowacki at Pinnacle Wealth, 248-663-4748. I have not spoken with him since the IPO, but I have talked to my guy at Morgan Stanley in New York. Who's kind of laughing, <laughs> but I'm just saying. Good for Dan Gilbert. I'm glad for you, sir. $1.8 is a buttload of money. I hope you get well because you don't look well. You see him? You see him when they rang the bell? I did. I did see him. What did um, you think? I, well, I mean, I had heard some things that seemed to match up with how he was struggling. It was, it was quite sad. I feel really bad for him. Um, but, yeah, I think it's maybe looked a little worse than what I think the general public knows. You got to add that like again, man. Um, guy's a fantastically yeah. bril- brilliant businessman. Yeah. I wish him well. I have to look out for my community. This is the, my interpretation of what's going on with the real estate down there. You heard Joel. 
And if you're wondering what to do with your money, again, Luke Nowacki at Pinnacle Wealth, 248-663-4748, stocks, bonds, savings, your kid's college plan, right? Get advice and get a strategy. Luke Nowacki at Pinnacle Wealth, 248-663-4748. Hit it, Mark. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Member FINRASIPC. Royal Alliance Associates Inc. is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names. Products or services referenced here are independent of Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Yeah. God, that's good. Mark did that himself last week. <laughs> I know. Oh, did you? I, only because I wasn't prepared. And, and oh, gee, Mark. What? What? I'll, I'll out I myself. Trying to make Charlie think we, had, we held everything down last no, week. No, no. The best part of the show was Charlie that's, calling in. That's a great show. Yeah, it's nice to I hear mean, from broadcast. John James. Oh, thank you. It was an exclusive. I think that's the first interview I've ever heard John James give. It was the first that a lot of people heard. Uh, actually, I think he's only given interviews to Fox News. So this was, and we got a lot of feedback about people appreciating just hearing from him the first time. And he was appreciative of the opportunity. So, you know, I so, mean, I, I, it worked both ways. So now it's uh, your turn, Peters. Yeah, you Peters. Know, I, I have the call out, so it's up to them. Okay, now let's 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 turn to the city. Okay, um, this is John Bennett. He's going to join us. Twenty-year uh, veteran of the Detroit Police Department, citizen government watchdog. Who's here's a guy, John Bennett. Two N's, two T's. Follow him on Facebook if you really want. Is that right, John? Did I spell the name right? Yes, you spelled I, it right. Yeah. It's right there. If you really want to know what's going on with crime, the Detroit Police, the politics of it. Th- this guy's the number one. In the state. Oh, Lord. Well, it's true, dude. And you wrote, um, well, you, you did a you did a Facebook post, which I read, and it was just an astute analysis. And then it got turned into a column in Deadline Detroit. Go there, DeadlineDetroit.com. But go ahead and encapsulate, John, what that column said and what your outlook about the true picture of crime in Detroit is. Well, look, we have a, we have a chief of police who's going on – He's over seven years in place. Um, most chiefs' average lifespan is three and a half, four years. In the nearly well, seven and a half years he's been here, uh, we have not seen an improvement in crime at all. Uh, Detroit has been at the top of violent crime uh, for as long as he's been here. Now, some people will say, "Well, well, what's the difference? We've always had crime," and, and that's true. The difference is you, you have a, a gentleman who's making a quarter of a million dollars a year. He's been in this job eight years nearly, and we haven't seen any improvement. And you also have a police department that's in chaos. You have uh, racial unrest. You have uh, a, a narcotics unit that's been uh, uh, busted twice by the feds. Uh, you have a uh, uh, 70 plus police officers who've been indicted. So, you know, you know, for me, a person who lives in the city, uh, yeah, we have crime, but the, the field is different because I, 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 I have the experience of being on the inside and being a resident of this community. And I've watched him over the seven years, plus seven years, and I actually gave him opportunity early on, but to hear the excuses time after time after time for everything that, that takes place, he never holds himself accountable for anything. It's just time out for that. And you, I notice think, uh, you notice this? You notice this? 
we got runaway crime. Okay. And so now we're going to blame uh, COVID, COVID cabin fever, right? People are frustrated and some George Floyd. But then again, if you look at the statistics before the lockdown, murder was up 50% during the lockdown months. If you compare it to last year, it's up 15% during lockdown. And after lockdown, the whole thing's up 33%. Mm-hmm. How is that successful? No. I mean, it's it's amazing to me that that um, he's able to remain in place with those kind of numbers. Uh, The mayor doesn't seem to be holding him accountable. Uh, Council is not holding he or the mayor accountable. So um, basically, he he does what he wants to do. The media really doesn't hold him accountable other than certain entities like yourself. Uh, The the love in. Uh, continues and it's unfortunate because um, those of us who live in the city, we're the losers. We we're, we're we're on the losing end of this when you have an administration that's not held accountable for crime, and you can't even take your Corville container to the curb without worrying about getting hit in the head. So um, where's the accountability, John? That's what, what I'm looking for. Where's the accountability? What is one thing he's gotten wrong, specifically wrong? One thing? Yeah. How much I mean, time tan- do you have? Well, any uh, kind of tangible, like, I want to hear, you know, specific things that he's gotten wrong. Well, if, if you, from the inside, you know, before I left, uh, he, he approached me and asked me to chair a committee to look at, you know, uh, racial issues within the police department. Um, he said, because I know you're the person who, who's going to tell me the truth. And at first I refused because I know how Chief Craig deals and what, what how, you know, how he goes about his, his doing what he does. So I did. I agreed to it. We sat down, 15 of us. And, and at the end of our eight month process, we gave him 19 recommendations to fix what problems existed within the police department. To this date, nothing has been fixed. The racial problems, which average citizen is not aware of mm-hmm. within the department, they're growing. So that's in the department. So let's bring it outside the department. Let's let's look at not having a strategy or plan for crime. Green light is not a plan for crime. Uh, cute words and and, 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 and and phrases don't solve the problem when you're talking about a city that has a violent crime rate that it does, when, when, when rapes are up, when, when, you know, shootings are up. So, you know, there's a, a number of things across the board, I think, that he's done wrong and the main one being not being accountable as a leader of the police department for not fixing the problems that, that, that were there when he came in. And as I said before, having a narcotics unit where the feds had to come in twice yeah. and raid your narcotics unit. Let so me it, try this. Let me try this. Number of things. Wait, let me try this, Karen. Let me try this. Okay. Let me do what, what I see, Mark. Okay. And by the way, 70 officers indicted. Uh, to be fair, I give due credit, due credit to the chief. Like, rooting out corruption, good. Bad cops, get them out. I say that's something he's done very well. That's all due credit because that's fair and that's what we want the public to know. Here's, here's what I believe he hasn't done. Like John said, a gun strategy. There were special operations in this city designed to get guns off the street. He disbanded them and decided to go to respond to 911 calls, made them all patrol officers, right? So now you see 
so many guns on the street. Next thing he did wrong is he was on the cover of NRA magazine telling everybody to get a fucking gun. Now he's complaining everybody's got a gun and they're acting surly to the police. The carousel of command staff. You're in, you're out, you're in, you're out. Between the 11th and 12th precinct, there's been, I think, 13 commanders in seven years. So there's nobody that has a strategy and knows where the bodies are buried. When he started, he did those Operation So-and-so, Operation Seersucker, Operation Take Back the Streets, and he'd shut a block down. And we in the media would all buy it. But we never followed up to what they would get. They would get a bag of weed, a BB gun, and a stolen car. They didn't work. Um, he, what about Sunday Funday? The remember uh, two weeks ago we were doing the the police sponsored drag racing oh, shit. Yeah. Where what happened twenty four hours later? Some fucking that. idiot took three people out. That kind of shit. The fake crime numbers. People say this to me. Well, I don't know what you expect one man to do. There's always been crime in Detroit. I go, well, by that reasoning, we shouldn't have any police. <laughs> and back when he was claiming crime was going down, and everybody that listens to this program knows they were bullshit numbers, he was taking credit. That's why he's been able to hang out. But now we know it's not true. The emperor were wearing those clothes. No clothes. Sorry, Karen, go. You've served, John, under several police chiefs. Did anybody get anything right? And if so, who and what was it? Um, in my career, to be quite honest, mm -hmm. there were 10 different police chiefs. Fuck. 10. Wow. I, I served under 10 police chiefs and six mayors. Um, in my history, I, I would say different chiefs had different strategies and how they went about addressing uh, various crimes of what was taking place during that time. Under Benny Napoleon, we may have had a greater uh, gang issue that, you know, uh, uh, was addressed directly or, you know, uh, various units that went out and, and, and addressed those crime concerns in that neighborhood specifically, directly, immediately. Yes, we all, all had crime, always had crime, but there was there's under previous chiefs, there seemed to be a, a, a more of a robust strategy when we had issues, you know, we knew would be on the shadow of a doubt that 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 leadership was going to come to the table with a plan and a strategy to strategy to address whatever the concerns were, you know, under this leadership, if, if, if there's something that takes place, you know, we, we roll out a, a strategy such as, you know, but check yourself. What does check yourself do for the criminal street? Check yourself. Is nice, yeah, but it check doesn't yourself. Solve that was a, a big problem. one we did, John. Yeah, remember um, that? Like, I mean, instead instead of shooting people, check yourself before you shoot. Yeah, people. I mean, <laughs> I mean, so that that doesn't that doesn't help the officers to get their job done, and it doesn't make citizens feel real good about you know where we're going as a city in terms of. Uh, addressing our problems now he's very good at being the face of the police department I, if you want to credit him with anything he's he's a political guy he's very good at being the face and he you know he rubs people you know the right way they feel good about the chief but at the end of the day what's being solved are we better off are no. we addressing the concerns in seven and a half years in you know i mean I mean, come on, that's 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 a lifetime for a chief of police and that's a quarter million dollars a year. I, I want more from and that 
that person in that role. And do you put that on the chief to do something different or the mayor for his lack of accountability for results out of the police department? Oh, absolutely. The mayor is not without accountability. I mean, he, he, when, after the emergency manager left and we all knew we had the oversight uh, committee out of Lansing and the only way for the city to get out from under that is we had to balance the budget for three straight years in the city of Detroit. The mayor balanced the budget of the city on the backs of the citizens. We, we, we still can't keep up with the attrition in the police department. They tell us, oh, we're hiring, we're hiring, we're hiring, but but you're, you're losing officers at a large number, at a great number. So the mayor is not without responsibility for where we are with the crime in the city and other things that are going on in the city too. Absolutely, he's not. And, and yes, the chief works for him and he's gonna be lockstep with him, but at the end of the day, Whatever your resources are as a chief of police, you got to work within that box and do the best that you can to make it work. He's not doing that. And you got to go. I mean, you got to go move on. You got to make a dent. I think you said it well, which is, hey, come back Detroit, right? A crime's going down. We're in the top two all the time. So that must mean everybody's making some progress. Why aren't we making more progress? That's what I, I think. I think. The corpse is naked here now. We now really see what it is, and it's time to look real hard. You, Joel Kurth, anybody being serious about this, we're trying to manage sort of a wind down and get to a point where we can balance this state and we're so far out of whack. Take this one, speaking speaking of the (laughs) programs and whatnot. We just welcome a bunch of federal officers in. Thank you, President Trump. First of all, we didn't want you in. Now we do want you in. But everybody seems to forget way back, way back in well January. Those pre-COVID days. Yeah, the confidential <laughs> informant for the Detroit Police Department DEA task force went on a killing spree, killed six people. The chief blamed it on the feds and kicked the DEA out. Now everybody seems to forgot that. Now we're kumbaya and we're, we're hugging. I mean, it's PR, bro. It's all PR. And nothing's getting done. It was 2019 when 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 uh, Barr announced, along with the chief and the mayor, that the feds were coming here and they were going to partner and yep. helping get guns off the street and yada 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 yada. And and, and what what did we get? What happened? You know, so last it's all for you. Last one for you. This is a sort of mm-hmm. non sequitur. The Black Lives Matter protesters, most of whom are white. What did you make? Um, it was after we went off there. It was the week last time I was here, two days later. Okay. They were marching around Midtown protesting gentrification. <laughs> <laughs> so the white people were marching. That white people were living in the city. And when you talk to the white Black Lives Matter protesters, they say they live in the city. So I'm like, aren't you the gentry, the gentry here? Yeah. Anybody notice that? <laughs> yeah. The guy that didn't know that McNichols was six mile? Him? That was, okay. that was another day. Did you notice that, John? What are you making of that? You know what, Charlie? I, you know, I, I, I kind of go with John Lewis on this. Congressman John Lewis is, you know, let them march, let them protest. It's, it's kind of their time. Um, don't be violent. Don't tear anything up. Um, but, but, but the thing, the other the part that I, I don't think p- people picked up on, and I, I mentioned this to somebody else, is that Black Lives protesters who are now predominantly white are protesting the killing of an unarmed black man. 
the black lives protesters who are predominantly white, who are armed and organized and throwing things at the police are protesting the killing of an unarmed black man. But in the midst of that, you have white privilege because none of those white protesters are even under a threat of being harmed, but they're organized and they're armed and they're trying to hurt the police, but there's no threat to them. But they're, they're demonstrating because the killing of an unarmed black man. I think it's very, the, the irony in that is so great, but there's no harm coming to them. I, you know, I don't mind them protesting, that's fine. I don't agree with the defund the police and all that. Reimagine, re reorganize, reallocate, fine. And, and march as much as you want, but, but, but you know, don't be violent, don't loot, don't destroy. But That's even bad. in the midst of all of that, you have white privilege that exists because they're trying to harm the police in some cases, but they're not, they're not threatened by being uh, killed in the streets. Yep. My suggestion is be consistent, right? Keep the message consistent. That's what I gentrification. Come on, guys. Before, well, but I mean, but these are also people, in my opinion, some, not all, that as a result of being locked up for five months, they want to resonate with something. I, I, I do believe that people want to connect with some social, you know, movement because I've heard a few of them being interviewed. They have no idea of what they're out there marching for or the realities of what they say they are championing for. They, they just don't. There's a severe disconnect. And I talk all the time about the white people with the Black Lives Matter T-shirts that don't speak to black people. Like, you got to pick one. You can't, you know, something has to match. And listen, you can't you can't tell me you want to defund the police in underserved communities like mine. Don't, don't you're not going to, no, that's, you're not going to defund. I need more, not less. Oh, wow. Right. Wow. And if you talk to Detroiters, specifically black Detroiters, they know this. If you held a referendum, they wouldn't go for this, no. right? The complaint's been for years. I call, nobody comes. You take a fucking report. That's not helping my kid. Because of all black lives, the children's lives matter the most, John. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. Fucking A. Can the we do issue something? The is, in the police department, is who you're hiring. If you want to look at police departments, reallocate that money toward your hiring practices. And then once you hire them, reallocate that money toward training and internal affairs so you can identify the problem and get rid of that problem before it ends up putting a knee on somebody's neck. I agree with that. We'll leave it at that, John. That's beautiful. Uh, Look at us, John. We agree. (laughs) Can I? Oh, yeah. See, back when John, I got to say this before we go. John, when he was a cop, what was the name of your blog, John? Uh, ended up being Detroit Uncovered. It started out as Fire Jerry O. Yeah, yep, the, the sure old did. chief of police. And here's a cop speaking his mind. And man, you had to go to court, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I and did. you won. Right. It's your right. And Karen was in the administration at the time, so you two. <laughs> John, would, John would tear me a new one. I, I'm not kidding. So, but it's, I, I, it's all I, I good. We, we, we kind of came together later on in a, in a, in a, yeah, in a direct way. I have yeah. to say this, John, and, and we say this all the time. I don't have a problem when people disagree with me. I don't have a problem yeah. with people criticizing me. It was always respectful. I, I, so I have no issue with that. And it, and I don't ever take it personally. Um, so, you know, Charlie and I talk about when he and I butted heads. I mean, when, that's part of who we are and what we do. Right. 
right. supposed to raise issues. If everybody agreed, you know, then then everything would be as disingenuous as the things we talk about. So much love and respect for you. I certainly appreciate you being here. Thank it's you, all good. Thank you. Appreciate <laughs> yeah. it. Thank How you. lovely. All Thanks right. Thank you, Johnny. Okay. All right. Now I'll say this for you. you get, listen, I don't comment. I'm just going to say this. Mm-hmm. Listen, local media, television. This guy's a natural. Mm-hmm. Fucking he hire knows. this guy. He, he the guy can write. The guy, look at him. Look at him right there. He got a good look to him. He's experienced. He's got sources. Call him up. Man, I've been trying to get out of this town for a while. No, I'm just, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, I got a call from the West Coast. Same thing, but I'm not going. I'm just going to, I'm not going. Hey, so don't give up, you know, don't, don't give up. That's the issue. You, John, you, Charlie, me, Mark, we, we cannot give up. I walk through Detroit now. I am extremely frustrated on so many levels, but we cannot, we can't give up. I mean, there are people that you may not know about that are depending on you to speak the truth, to uncover the truth, and then to share the truth and then a share solution. Uh, I did get a question I want to ask you, John, before you go. One of our uh, viewers asked, if you could pick a chief uh, nationally from anywhere, who would that chief be? Good question. To, um, I think I think um, current people that I know, I know a little bit about, I think Elvin Barron, who went to Southfield, left DPD, oh, right. went to Southfield, is is mm-hmm. is is uh, good at what he does. I think though she's had some some ups and downs in Dallas, I think uh, Renee, Renee Hall, who also yeah. left here, is, is, is quality. Um, right. So yeah, those are the, the, the two. Would you ever take the job, John? No, I would not, no. I don't think you want the job now. I, I, I just, I don't think you do. No, man, that's, listen, they got, they got some skills to climb and they need the type of leader they need a, a, a younger, energetic uh, person with with some 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 ideas to lead that organization. I've got my thoughts, but I'm going to leave them at that because I don't want to advocate for anybody. So we'll leave it at John. All right, brother. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, guys, for having thank me. You. All right. Bye. Let me just take this real quick minute to tell you about Hall Financial, who wants you to know that mortgage rates are at an all time low. All time low. Home values are up. That's why so many people are refinancing right now. Lower your monthly payments and put dough in your pocket. Seriously. What are you going to do? Speculate on stock or what you actually own. Figure out a way to lower your note or get some money to fix the house that you're going to live in. Right? This is the best way to do it. If you're in the market for a new home, remember, Hall Financial Services is the fastest in the business Get your mortgage in half the time of their competitors. That's why they have more than 1,500 five-star reviews. And remember, COVID's ticking up again. Appraisals can be done without someone stepping foot inside your house. Call 248-308-5000 or go to davidhallmortgage.com. 248-308-5000, davidhallmortgage.com. Tell them Charlie sent you. Uh, remember, NMLS number 1467435. They're the deal. Rates dropped again, Charlie. Fuck. Every week. Mm-hmm. They dropped again. What does that sign behind you say? All I can see is danger. What does that say at the top of your left danger, shoulder? Danger walk on the other side of the ship. So I'm right on uh, Lake Huron in my shack. We're pre- preparing the funeral pyre for my brother. I'm light him on fire and send him out. 
and the freighters come by. They're out there in the shipping lanes, and this just drifted up on shore one day. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. I tell my daughter, this has been your people's for a thousand years. Love it. And last week. Coolest stuff, Charlie. What's that? You have the coolest stuff, like the stuff in your office, and the, you just have the coolest stuff. Yeah, well, you know what? I mean, I don't, I don't buy things. Just I keep things that are meaningful, you know. Besides. I know, and but every, they're cool. And my Earth, coolest stuff is my daughter. Well, she's cool too. <laughs> she is. And before we started, everyone missed out on the Petoskey Stone lesson, which was actually oh, very, see it? It was very informative. Yeah, do that again. <laughs> this is a Petoskey Stone. Okay, that is ancient coral. You can see the hexagons in there. Rub smooth by eons, 350 million years of waves. So when you lick it, it comes alive. Therefore, it's your grandparents. You know, that's the native thought. When they return to water, you put water on them, they come back alive. And then the steam that's made from the heat on these rocks carries your, your prayers to the creator. Remember, Michigan used to be on the equator. This was the biggest coral reef in the world or one of them. So there is global warming, but the earth moves. The earth doesn't care if people are here or not. You know, so if you want want to hang around, take care of it. People are continuing to send you their prayers, their condolences to you and your family for your loss. Um, So, I mean, they've been doing that uh, pretty much all today as well as last week while you were out. And just remember, I mean, time is short here. Live it well and love one another mm-hmm. and demand more, right? We can do better than this. There's no doubt. So now I'd like to do this. This is what I, what I wrote uh, before I went away <laughs> last week, you know, to, to bear. And by the way, Governor, we did not listen to you. We did have 50 people at that service. And that's what we're going to do. And we distance and we wore our masks. And you should do that and have respect for each other. Right. Even if you think it's bullshit, maybe I don't. But if old people get to go to the casino, then we get to bury our dead. You you, you can see the frustration. That's Underst- all I'm going to say about it. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So let's let's get to Detroit. Money, the serial killer house. Remember that one? Remember that guy? That house. Still there. Incredibly still stands. It's a symbol of all of it. It's a mockery. The quiet neglect rained down from those on high. The House of Horrors is the abandoned residence at Mack and Mount Elliott on Detroit's east side where the serial killer D'Angelo Martin did his work. Remember him? Last year, a woman escaped after he snatched her up and dragged her inside and tried to rape her. Two days, he cut her too. Two days later, a decomposing woman was found in the basement. Martin currently awaits trial for murder of four women. But the house still stands, and it's a sign to those who live around there that they don't matter. Their children don't matter. Not really, not much, and it wouldn't go on in your neighborhood. The city owns the house. Hmm. In fact, The city and its land bank own much of the fetid buildings and garbage-strewn lots around the area. The mayor promised a year ago to tear down the death house, but not before taking the crass opportunity at a press conference to push a quarter-billion-dollar bond proposal promising to tear down homes so serial killers couldn't do their 
nasty again. And so a year passes. The trees grow tall again. Alkies sleep on the porch again. Junkies shoot droppers of joy. Wild dogs roam among the wildflowers. And the backyard is an open-air outhouse in a neighborhood. Children live there. Not my children. Not your children. Andrew Jones' children, who's got a 13-year-old daughter. And he says, of course I worry someone's going to snatch her up and drag her in there. It's fucked up that it's still there, but I don't know the reason. And I should tell you all, I looked it up. There are 40 registered sex offenders in a mile of that house with his 13-year-old daughter. Black Lives Matter protesters marched by that house two months ago, followed by the media, but none of them seem to put it all together. This is where the misery lies. Ask the neighbors because they're filled with rage because they do matter. Oscar Ellerby says it's like they want it to keep happening. He hopes to open a modest barbecue stand in the vacant garage next to the serial killer house. But wild animals and the stench of human waste does little for one's appetite. You know, he said to me, they took all that demolition money and it disappeared. Millions. And now the mayor wants millions more. Shit. And then you want to know what Jones said? Why don't they put that money in the schools? The schools were filthy before COVID. Why not put the money there and make them clean and safe? And remember, everybody, Detroit public schools are going back full time. The mayor has convinced the city council to place a $250 million property tax bond on the November ballot to fight blight. Known as Proposal N, and remember, N is for neighborhoods. <laughs> The proposal is a blank check for the mayor who's already blown through one half a billion dollars for demolitions. He's torn down perhaps 20,000 structures and gotten himself two federal grand jury investigations. I called the federal prosecutors. They declined to provide information on the work of the grand juries or even their existence. Representatives of the demolition firms in Detroit, however, confirmed that federal agents and prosecutors are still active. So whatever that case may be, people around Mac and Mount Elliott believe the city should be dragged into court as an abusive slumlord. This is the real people. This is what we're living through at a vacant Lutheran parish house across the street from the serial killer house. The junkies go to work. The building is owned by the city. Next to that is a shuttered community center where kids play with sticks next to men drinking out of paper bags. The school district owns that building. And what about the apartment at the end of the block? Uh, Ellerby shouted to me, who's foaming mad by now. We keep asking nothing. It ain't no better. And so I go over there and no, it wasn't no better. The crumbling brick duplex, the next block over was wide open. The windows blown out, the walls caving in and the silhouette of a woman in a window frame injecting dope into her foot. The building is owned by the Detroit Land Bank. And yes, kids live next to it. Political leaders would have us all believe that the coronavirus is the instigator of the great American malaise. But come over here to the land of the lost at Mac and Mount Elliott, and you realize the virus is merely a peeping Tom, a deviant who's pulled back the shower curtain on American society. And what's behind the shower curtain? 
something gaunt and sickly, infected with debt and crime, ineptitude and racism. Take down the fucking house is what Ellerby said to me. He called the mayor out by name. Why are we any different? And he's right, Karen. He's right. There's kids. If that 13-year-old can't do any better, if we can't do any better by her, what's that mean for our kids? Because they're adults together. We're going to come right back to this. Yes, Black Lives Matter. Yes, they're being ripped off. Yes, they need help. And yes, they want you to consider their lives because we're all living together with family. As much as I got to put my brother out there and put him on fire and wish him well. You're all my family. We got to break the cycle, Charlie. It's just fucking rip off. Yeah, but we got to break the cycle. I mean, the, when, when you and I, I told Mark, you know, I mean, I come down, you know, Werner, Mag, Mount Elliott sometimes. I mean, and I always see I see the house. I'm like, Charlie's been talking about this house for a long time and it's still standing. That environment, unfortunately, has become normalized for too many and especially too many children. That S-H-I-T is not normal. It should not be normal. I mean, it's not. I mean, kids deserve better. But it's like we have to break that cycle. Like you said, kids grow up in that environment. They become up. They grow up to be adults that are still victims of that environment by no choice of their own. And you know what? Look, a lot of people from the points, the gross points, take that route to work into the city. Ask yourself. It's become normal to you. It's infected you. Let me, let me tell you this, Charlie. I, I had some, so I knew some people that lived in Gross Point, and rather than like go straight down Jefferson or whatever, they wanted to turn down Buffet and they wanted to turn down these streets because they like to see the whole the whole urban ruin thing. Mm-hmm. That's bullshit. And I'm gonna say it just like that. This isn't a freaking zoo. You don't drive through the challenges or the perils of other people's lives because you find it exciting or because it's intriguing to you. If you aren't going to come through here and look and allow that to desensit or to provide some more sensitivity to other people, then stay on Jefferson or stay on Lakeshore. I I say go through and learn. Yeah, but I'm saying if you're not going to allow that to change how you see things and to help shape who you are and what you can do, this isn't this isn't a zoo. You don't drive through, quote unquote, the hood so you can, you know, get some brownie points or some hood cred or street cred. That's not what this is for. It's not. Andrew and Ellerby, if you if you guys met him, you'd like them. They're, They're like men. They get it. Remember this, too. Fuck it. It's the city. No. All the money we're given for these development projects, folks, comes from state taxpayers. A lot of it's coming out of your school district, too. So if we're going to do that, who do we want to help? Billionaires or nothing heirs? And it's not complicated, Charlie. This is not complicated. It doesn't require, you know, another committee. It doesn't require some 10-year study. It doesn't require, it's, it's, it's common sense about what is right, about what makes a difference. Listen, what did Eugene say when he was on the show from New York, Mark? You remember when he said, listen to the people who are impacted by it. 
ask them what makes a difference. But Good solution. That's what I'm saying. Like, it, it, you can't ask somebody who doesn't know and who doesn't care. And that's what we keep doing. What a segue, because guess what <laughs> Detroit Red, comedian Detroit Red did. What? Detroit Red took it to the streets. Okay. Right, What's up? This is your boy, on. comedian you Detroit think? Red, and we hitting the streets of Detroit today to see if Detroiters really believe they should be giving Mike Duggan another $250 million to tear down abandoned and abated homes such as this right here. Okay, to be 100% honest, like, um, I'm not knowledgeable on the subject, so I really couldn't give any input. Do you think we should give him $250 million more dollars? No, I think you got to dig out what you got. Do you think we should be giving him another $250 million to tear down abandoned and vacant houses? If the money is going where it's supposed to be going. I think that Duggan, uh, he's a joke. He did a couple of houses. He did a few things. Um... A lot of these houses, I don't know what the city's waiting on to tear down these houses because um, they're not going to get any tax money. Do you think he did the, the, what he was opposed to with the first $500 million? Mm, nope. Now let me ask you this. <laughs> you, you from the neighborhood, how long has this house been sitting here like this waiting to be torn down? This house has been here over six years. And the city ain't even maintaining the... No. No, it, it, more dump, uh, it's like a regular dump site. Now we got a lot of black houses in Detroit. Let me ask you this. Now, do you ever have a concern that spots like this are creating uh, places for people to get killed, raped, uh, folks doing definitely, drugs and all that? Definitely. This is a, this is a, a, a haven for a, a potential site for somebody to get raped or uh, uh, killed or dumped. Have you had... One question to ask or say to Mike Duggan about this 250 mil, what would you say? How is it being spent? How is the money being spent, Mike? <laughs> That's what we want to know. What's that? <laughs> Boom. Another great job. Yeah. He's, he's, he's good. He is good. Hey, isn't that a commercial? He is good. He's good. <laughs> yeah, right. Again, there's another guy with a little seasoning. That, yep. He'd be awesome on the nightly news. But he asks what people want to know. It's not street. prepared. They're not approved questions. He And he lives it. So he knows what he and his friends and his family talk about and want to know. So he's taking it and, and, and gathering that in a very, maybe seemingly unpolished, but a very raw and real capacity. You can't help but respect that. I, I do respect it. And I think maybe, okay, you know, we do Lansing and Detroit. Those are the two capital cities. But <laughs> since Lieutenant Governor Garland Gilchrist II, I like to call him the deuce since he's now the face of racial reconciliation and all the blue ribbon panels and all that. Um, maybe we should send red to Garland's uh, hometown, which isn't Detroit. Like they like to tell everybody it's Farmington. So maybe we'll send red to Farmington and have a look and see how things are done in Farmington. Sounds like a plan, Charlie. We need a All Detroit. Right, right. We got Detroit red. We need a Detroit blue. We want to, you know, make sure we get a good balance. <laughs> we, we, we need like, we need like, we need like a Debbie red, white, and blue. We, we need some white chick from the trailer park or something. No, yeah, mm, not the trailer park. What? I think I think you need what you. We, we need a, and I don't want to use this term, you know, what were they calling all the middle-aged white women? That kind of, mm. you. I can't <laughs> remember. Me. I am none of those things. You're but a Karen. You're a Karen. 
You're the Karen. Well, I'm a whole different definition. I they named it after you, Karen. <laughs> privileged white woman. Conservative privileged white woman. No, anyway, you're saying. I don't even know, Charlie. Forget it. I don't well, know. Let's just pause a minute. I didn't mean to knock yeah, you off. No, it's okay. No, I was laughing. I'm saying, like, you know, we, we, we know how we tend to think and think about the average person, the person with no voice, the person, you know, sometimes that loses hope. But I'd really like at some point to hear from the perspective of those people that I think are just completely disconnected from reality. Give me somebody that's that middle aged conservative white person that drives down Jefferson and locks their doors when they catch a red light. I mean, that has no idea what's going on in a city that they claim to love and want to wear a T-shirt for. I mean, how do these people think? Oh, so you mean you you want to get somebody as a buffoon and to show it? Okay. <laughs> so anybody that wants to do that, please call. Right? So, so yourself to be in anybody that mind showing they're an asshole. Okay. I want they don't you to, think they are though. They don't I want think you, they are. I want you to drive hey Karen, when when you drive into the to Gross Point, do you lock your doors? Hell yeah. And I drive slow. <laughs> <laughs> With your hands up here. And I'll tell you this, I minimize those areas. I don't go to Livonia. I, don't, I mean, there are a whole lot of places. I just don't go. There's nothing there for me. Now, I do sometimes I do go through Gross Point. You know, I go to Trader Joe's. I may go to, you know, Smoothie King and take Lakeshore Drive. I like that drive. Uh, but, yeah, I know not to speed. And, you know, I'm looking to you got to remember, Charlie, there are a lot of not every white person is all about equality. You got a lot of angry white people that are pissed that the conversation is even existing. And I don't need some psycho bamming on my window because I don't want to be in a green, pink and green jail. So that's true. And, you yeah. know, did, white people will say, like, why is everybody got? Why is everybody black got to lean on me? Exactly. And, you, and I don't I'm wanna, a hater and I'm not. And, and, and just, I don't I don't want to bear the brunt of that because I, I will be in trouble. So I don't want to bear the brunt of that. Let me just pay attention and you don't look at me and I won't look at you. And let me get my smoothie and go back to Detroit. Give my fucking smoothie and go back to Detroit. So you get your smoothie <laughs> in the birds and then you dump your garbage in Detroit. What are you, Bashera? Yeah, that's what, that's, what these, that's what these people do. Charlie, look, I got to tell you this once. You know, I, I grew up on the east side and I used to live down the street. I grew up from uh, where the boat races were focused. And so we get tons of suburbanites in and they, you know, want to piss on the lawn and all that crap. They take it easy. They, they did. And I, we, but anyway, there was this car and traffic was always, you know, pretty heavy. So they threw this trash out of the car and they kept going. So I got in the street, I picked up the trash and I walked slowly down the middle of the street. I knocked on the window and I said, hey, you drop this. And they were like, oh, my God, I didn't realize. I was like, yeah, you did realize it. And you wouldn't do this at home. Take your trash home and throw it away. What was his name? It was a white woman. Her name was probably no, no the the, the, the the trash you picked up that they threw out the car. What was his name? What was his name? What was his name? <laughs> it was Bob. <laughs> oh, Speaking God. of Bob, hey Shuttlebar, y'all, how you doing, brother? I know I miss Where Bob. Yeah, I've, I've texted him a couple times. I, I don't Bob. Bob. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. All right. Well, listen. Um, that's all awesome. I got. I got to prepare this. This um, pyre here. So sending prayers, Charlie. We're with thank you very much. Thank you everybody for listening. Uh, like I said, I think we're gonna get little Stevie, man. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be fucking great. Mm-hmm. Um, in the meantime, remember, love each other, and uh, we usually cut the song out on Facebook, but 
It's uh, Mel Torme. You'll love it. Coming home. Thank y'all. Thanks, mannequin. I'm coming home now, right away. I'm coming home, baby, now. I'm sorry now I ever went away. Every night and day I go and stay. I'm coming home, baby. I'm on home. Coming home, baby, now. You know I'm waiting here for you. I'm coming home now, real soon. You've been gone. Coming home, baby, now. You don't know what I'm going through. I'm coming home, I know I'm overdue. Since you went away. Expect me any day now, real soon. I'm coming home. I'm on home. Coming home, baby, now. You know I'm praying every night. And everything is gonna be fine. Please come on. Coming home, baby, now. I want to feel you hold me tight. Expect to see me now anytime. When I'm in your arms. When you're in my arms, I'll be fine. I'm coming home. I'm coming home, baby, now. You know I'm counting every day. I'm coming home now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Use your phone. I'm coming home, baby, now. And baby, let me hear you say. I'm coming home, you hearing what I say. That you're coming home. And I never will go away. I'm coming home. Coming home, baby, now. You know I'm waiting at the door. They can't hold me back now, no more. All alone. I'm pressing on, baby, now. And pacing up and down the floor. Oh, hear me holler and hear me roll. Say you'll be with me. Gonna be with you evermore. I'm coming home. I'm coming home, baby, now. Oh, baby, say you're coming home. That's what I say, I say I'm coming home. Something's wrong. The road is long, baby, now Or to either ride a phone I'm coming home and never more to roam Baby, tell me you Baby, I'm for sure coming home I'm coming home Come on home I'm coming home, baby, now Come on home I'm coming home, baby, now